I'm excited about what I'm going to preach because God didn't really give it all to me until the last minute. So this is a cliffhanger sermon, all right? And uh, I trust that, well, I believe that it is already very anointed and it's going to speak to you. I'm going to be very real with you today. I, I try to preach in a very real way and be very honest and down to earth. I will be using some stories and examples from my own personal life. I believe that God wants us to understand who we are in Christ. He also wants us to understand how we, who we were before Christ and how we tick and what got us messed up so that we could get totally healed and delivered as sons of God and people who are now in Christ Jesus. How many of you believe God wants to totally, radically alter for good, heal, for the better, transform for advancement? How many of you believe that God wants to do that to you? Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. I believe that with all my heart. Hey, hey, before I go any further, you guys were a lot more rowdy during worship. I hope I didn't bring a downer. Did I bring a downer? Because we'll cast that thing out right now in Jesus' name. Are you excited? All right. I believe that I have a word from the Spirit of God. I was working on this till late last night till finally I was falling asleep. It wasn't coming together. And I said, God, I laid down in bed. I said, I must get rest. But I trust that during this night you're going to speak to my spirit. And I woke up with a, a passage of scripture which I'll use at the end of my sermon. And suddenly I saw things I have never seen. It is one of the most popular, most common, most read scriptures. And it became a revelation and God showed me how it's a key to healing our fractured soul. Do you want to find out about that? Amen. I, I tell you, I was, it's like I'm looking at it in the spirit and I'm thinking, I never saw it before. And I must have preached it, read it, sung it. That scripture is so popular, but we'll get there. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. This series is called Breaking Free from a Double-Minded Soul. My sermon title for today, last week we talked on breaking free uh, from your double-minded past. My sermon today is the mind of the soul. I've touched on this from time to time over the years, and some of you are newer. Others, uh, you've heard some things uh, before. Jesus said that a teacher of the law brings new things and old things out of his treasure chest. And so today will be a combination of uh, things that we've already heard, but also new things that the Spirit of God has revealed. I want you to understand who you are. I want you to understand how you're made up. Because in this healing process, as God is transforming me from who I was to who I'm destined to be, it is important and it is powerful when we understand who we are and, and how we're made up. Because God wants to keep healing us. And the more we understand the inner workings of who we are, 
the more we can allow the Spirit of God to heal and to change us and to transform us more and more into his image. Praise God. I made a statement a couple of weeks ago that because of the fall, we bore the likeness of the first Adam. But because of salvation, the last Adam has come so that we could bear his likeness. I want to look a lot more like Jesus than I ever looked like the old Adam. Can I get an agreement here? Amen. All right. So I'm going to start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. And here the apostle Paul is writing, and he says to the church in Thessalonica, May God himself, the God of peace, may he sanctify you through and through. In other words, you, you are multidimensional. May he sanctify you through and through. There are dimensions to who you are. And now he outlines it. He said, may your whole spirit and your soul and your body be kept blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see in this scripture that we are a multidimensional being. There's more to you than what's seen on the surface. There's more to you than what people encounter in a brief encounter. But even beyond that, there is more to us. We are spirit soul, and body. When I teach this in Bible college, I always stipulate that we are first and foremost spirit, then we are a soul, and then we are a physical body. The world often coins this phrase, which is a scriptural phrase, uh, and it's nice to see that the world imitates the church, but they do get it messed up uh, pretty often. And in the world, this phrase is often coined, we are body, soul, and spirit. No, they might be. Now that I'm born again, I am spirit, soul, and body. When I was created, I was created first as a spiritual being. And that spirit has a character, and that's the soul. And the spirit and the soul are basically co-joined. We see that Paul says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We also see in the Old Testament that God said to Moses, I want you to build a movable temple that will go with you from place to place. You'll be able to roll it up and take it with you and lay it out again. But I want you to make sure that you build it exactly way, the way I am telling you to because it's actually a replica. It is a pattern of what is in heaven. And when you look at the tabernacle in the Old Testament, there was an outer court made up of curtains, and anyone was allowed to come into the outer court, and in the outer court is where the priest would take your sacrifice and slaughter it on the altar. And you could be there in the outer court. But the priest, and only the priest, would go into the holy place and minister in the holy place. So the outer court was one large squared off curtain. And then the priest would go into the holy place. But the high priest would go into the holy of holies. What's interesting in this analogy. That the Bible says we are the temple of the spirit of God. 
And God says in the Old Testament, build that tabernacle, that temple, because it's a pattern of realities in heaven. This is a figure of something that really exists. The interesting fact is that the holy place and the holy of holies is one separate square, separate from the outer court, and there is a division within that square that becomes the holy of holies. You see, my outer body, when I die, it'll be buried in the ground. If it's cremated, it'll be blown to the air. But my soul and my spirit go immediately to be with the Lord. The Apostle Paul says to be absent from the physical body is to be present with the Lord. We are a spirit first, and that spirit has character, and that is our soul. The spirit communicates directly to God. When God talks to you, he doesn't talk to your head. He talks to your spirit. And from your spirit, the information comes up through our soul. And that's one of the reasons why it's very important that we get healed in areas of our soul. And I will break this down more and more. There's a lot of cluttered debris in our soul. And when God speaks to our spirit, oftentimes it never gets past the soul because there is soul damage. There's fractures in our soul. There's emotional ruptures. And the more we get healed in the realm of our soul, the more the spirit and the soul can work in unity. And as God speaks to our spirit, our soul, which is made up of the mind of intellect and the mind of the emotions and the will, it starts to assimilate what God is saying in our spirit. And as our soul is healed and as we are more deeply invested into God, our soul and our spirit hear clearly and it eventually feeds the information up to the computer in our body. Now, I want to stress this here. The Bible says that you are sanctified through and through. There are dimensions to you. You are spirit, you are soul, and you are body. Your spirit always has predominance. It's who you are. It's what will last forever. An eternity in the presence of God or an eternity in torment, according to the Bible. Your spirit is eternal. In Hebrews chapter 10, when God chose to send a Savior to the world, in the beginning was the Word, and this Word was God. Nothing that was created was created with Him, and the Word became flesh. When Jesus entered into the earth, this is what He said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifices and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Your physical body is the last part of who you are. We identify each other by the observance of what we look like, how tall you are, what color hair you have, what color eyes you have, uh, your shape, your gait, your walk, your talk, all of those things. But Jesus, who existed before, was 
primarily a spirit and a soul working together, but God prepared a body for him. When God created man, he built a body, but it was nothing but a mold of mud until he breathed spirit and soul into it. We are primarily a spirit being, and that spirit has a soul. Your soul is basically the character of who you are, but who you are is your spirit. So my soul brings character, brings definition to who I am as a spirit being, and my body merely houses this. Now the Bible teaches that when, my, when I die, my spirit, my soul goes to be with the presence of the Lord. But a day will come, whether you, uh, people died 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, or they die in this imminent present time, when Christ returns, the Bible talks about the resurrection from the dead. Our physical bodies, while our spirit and soul is alive and conscious and in the presence of the Lord, our physical carcass, and I don't mean to be crude, but I want to make sure that we understand it is just a housing. Our physical carcass will be resurrected and glorified and it will once again house our spirit and our soul. So where does life originate from? Not from the physical body. It originates from the spirit and the soul. When the spirit and the soul leave the body, there is no life in the body. Where does thought originate from? It originates from the spirit and the soul. We see this, this mass, this muscle mass in our, in our heads as the origin of thought. No, the origin of thought comes from the life of who you are, the person you are deep down inside. You see, your physical brain is no different than the computer you operate. You have, if you have a laptop or a computer or even a cell phone, by the way, did you know that there is more computer technology in your modern day phone than they had in the first rocket that ever went to the moon and landed on the moon? Did you know that? Your cell phone has more technology in it than the computer system that actually landed the moon, uh, the, 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 uh, the Apollo on the moon. Absolutely. But your cell phone cannot originate thought. Your laptop cannot originate thought. Your computer cannot originate thought. You, the operator, originate thought and put it into your computer and it processes. In a similar way, thought originates from your soul and from your spirit and your brain processes much like a computer and it sends signals and messages to our physical body. Are you with me? All right. When God speaks to us, he speaks straight to our spirit. When I am thinking, I often think from the realm of my soul. Sometimes I step into the spirit. In other words, my thoughts originate from my soul. But when I step into my spirit and I'm thinking from the realm of the spirit, I'm hearing from the spirit, I'm thinking from the spirit, thought originates from my spirit. But most of the time on a day-to-day -day basis as I engage with the world, 
the thoughts of Rob Scarallo are emanating from the soul. Everybody with me? The physical brain housed, and I wrote it this way, the physical brain housed in your physical body is purely a processing organ, much like a computer. It doesn't originate thought. Thought comes from the one operating the computer. The computer merely processes the thought. Likewise, the physical brain doesn't originate thought. It processes it. When God speaks to us, he speaks to our spirit. When we think for ourselves, most times thought emanates from our soul. So, watch this. I'm going to put scripture to this. I mentioned this scripture very briefly last week. I want you to understand who you are, how you function. You know, if you understand the machinery in front of you, when it breaks, you can fix it. God wants us to understand how we were created and who we are so that when we break by the Holy Ghost, we can start putting pieces back together again. Amen? Amen? And that, that's why this message is very, very important. In James chapter 1, starting with verse 5, James, this is the brother of Jesus, not the brother of John. James wrote this. He was the apostle. He headed up the church in Jerusalem. He headed up the council in Jerusalem. And James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, this word in the Greek is Sophia. It's knowledge. It's knowledge. Understanding. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. You see, knowledge can come from God and it'll come into our spirit. And if there's knowledge that you need on any topic of life, God is willing to give it to you. This word, Sophia, is not only spiritual knowledge, it's any type of knowledge. That's why words of knowledge should be common to born-again Christians. Any type of knowledge. That's why we should operate easily and regularly in the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy is the knowledge of un unseen things. It is the prophetic foretelling of things to come. And so the spirit of prophecy should be normal to us because it's all wrapped up in the wisdom or the Sophia of God. And God says if you need wisdom, if you need knowledge on any level, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Now at the end of the service last week, I emphatically said to all. You know, it, you don't have to be good enough. God says he will give wisdom or knowledge to all who ask of it. James also says you have not because you don't ask. And I've been learning to ask God more and more regarding every facet of my life. From how to understand my son or my daughters. To how to understand finances. How to understand the principles of life. I find that God is willing and generous to impart knowledge into our spirit if we're seeking him for knowledge. Remember, Daniel had greater wisdom and knowledge than all the magicians and all the soothsayers of Nebuchadnezzar. 
Joseph had wisdom far beyond the Egyptians themselves and the best magicians that Pharaoh had. Why? Because knowledge, so fear, will come from God and it is the ultimate wisdom and the ultimate knowledge. It is not just spiritual knowledge, it's any knowledge. And so we as Christians should constantly be tapping into the mind of God. You say, that doesn't sound scriptural. Yes, it is. For Paul says, don't you know we have the mind of Christ? You can't access what you don't believe exists. You can't access what you don't believe is your right. We have to understand that we have access to the mind of Jesus Christ. We have access to the mind of the Father. How the heck am I going to be a co-worker on earth with God if there's a huge disconnect between his mind and my mind? Now, I know a religious uh, reaction would be, oh, the Bible says our ways are not his ways and our thoughts are not his thoughts. And the first thing we teach in Bible school is to read Scripture in the context that it was written to. And so when you look up that Scripture, our ways are not God's ways, and our thoughts are not God's thoughts, the context is God was talking to a rebellious nation of Israel who constantly was backsliding, constantly disobeying God, and he said, your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. But to the man and the woman who is born again, who is a new creation in Christ, the apostle Paul settles the score and says, therefore, we have the mind of Christ. You can tap into, yeah, amen. You can tap into the creativity of God. Whether you're a manager, whether you're a CEO, and, and there is requirement on you, you could be a modern-day Joseph like Joseph was in Egypt. You can be a modern-day Daniel like Daniel was in Babylon. You are meant to shine with the fullness of the image of God today so that the world will look at us and see that we are on the cutting edge. Come on, if you believe it, stand up, give the Lord a shout, get excited, let it touch your emotions. Amen, amen. It's the truth, it's the truth, it's the truth. The Word of God says we are meant to be the head, not the tail. Most Christians think and stink like the tail. I don't want to think and stink like the tail. I'm meant to be on the cutting edge. You're meant to be on the cutting edge. This is part of your destiny. You were created to be in the image of God. The first Adam screwed it up, but the last Adam came to restore that principle. We are recreated. We are born again. The first birth was born in failure. This second birth is born in success. Hallelujah. Come on. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. So James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. He's the source of knowledge. You work wherever you work. You're in charge. There's chaos. You need to fix something. 
Ask God, he will give you supernatural wisdom for natural things. He wants you to excel. He wants you to be a witness. He wants you to be a representation of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Ghost and have the blessing of God on your life. Amen. Praise God. Keep preaching, Pastor Rob. Keep preaching. If any of you lacks wisdom, Sophia, knowledge of any sort, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you. God always talks to our spirit and it flows up through our soul into our brain. Today, when I talk about the mind of your intellect, or I talk about the mind of your emotions, I'm not talking about the gray matter between your ears. I, I want you to understand, I, I realize people are here from all different uh, places of perspective. And so for everyone to be able to understand and reap as much as possible from this message, I want to bring everyone to the same perspective, and that's why I'm just laboring this for a moment. I'm not talking down to anybody. We all have different perspectives. If you're going to understand where I'm going, you need to come into, at least for now, the perspective from which I'm talking, the context from where I am going, okay? So when I talk about the mind of the intellect or the mind of the emotions, I'm not talking about the gray, gooey, ooey matter between your ears. I'm talking about your soul. Your soul is the character. It is the character dimension of your spirit. It gives identity, personality to your spirit. Okay. In James chapter 1, verse 6, he goes on to say, When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because anyone who doubts is like a wave blown and tossed by the wind. Circumstances will mess you up. Look, successful people in the natural world aren't blown around. They make up their mind, they are committed, they are focused, and I'm still talking about the soul, because even an unsaved person operates from their soul. They cannot operate from the spirit that is a dimension reserved purely like the holy of holies for high priests. It's where we have deep communion with God. Your spirit is dormant until you get born again. But every person is living and acting out of their soul, and it's in the soul that we get damaged. The fall of mankind took place in the soul and the outer shell, and God put a lid on the spirit and made it go dormant. It's a, 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 an area reserved only for him, and he awakens it, he quickens it, he stirs it back to life, when we ask Christ in our heart and suddenly we become spiritually aware. That's why when you first got saved, before you got saved, you read the Bible and it didn't make any sense. And, and you, it just convinced you that Christians are idiots. 
And then you ask Jesus in your heart, and the next day you read the same passages, and all of a sudden you get it. All right? Because your spirit now is awakened, and you're hearing and seeing with your spiritual understanding. Okay? But successful people in the natural world are successful if they are single-minded. Their focus is consistent. They're not blown around by circumstances. In the world and in the church, because of soul damage, we're not single-minded. And we get blown around by circumstances. Your soul isn't healed just because you got born again. It's part of the salvation that's progressive. My name's written in the book of life. My eternal salvation is already achieved. But there's healing taking place in my soul. How many of you are getting what I'm talking about? Okay. This word is to help you as Christians become more like model citizens of the kingdom of heaven. It's to equip you mentally and emotionally. It's to bring healing to areas that get damaged in the fray of just everyday life. When you ask, you must believe. What must you believe? Anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder. Remember the last series was all about restoring the image of God? Do you remember? Okay. This series is about healing the inner soul. And healing the inner soul starts with restoring the image of God in our mind, in our understanding. But now we're going to progress and we're going to start to deal with the fragments in our soul, the broken pieces in our soul. We've been fractured through relationships. Last series, I talked about how our human interactions and our human relationships, because man in his destiny was created to be in the image of God, Satan said, well, let me wreck man so that as man wrecks man, it throws a shadow onto the image of God. We understood that in the last series, and so we've started to repent of the judgments or the things we've allowed ourselves to believe about God due to the negative experiences we've had with other people. We're learning to separate that and we're learning to repent for thinking incorrectly about God so that the judgment that we made, we don't wear the curse of. The judgment you make is the curse you wear. And so as we get our attitudes right to God, irrespective of the hurts we've had with fellow human beings, we start to cut ties with curses that have limited the blessing on our lives. Now we're progressing and we're dealing more and more with us internally. Fixing the soul. How do I function? How does this all work? Help me to understand me. And that's what God's doing in this message. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person, now this is where it's very relevant. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. I touched this briefly last week. I really feel to spend a bit more time on this. A double-minded person. According to the Greek, what was James saying? 
To be double-minded comes from the Greek word dipsukos. Dipsukos. It is also written dipsychos, two psyches, two minds. A double-minded person wavers between two opinions. It says in the Strong's wavers between two souls. You don't have two souls, but you have two minds in your soul. The soul, which is often referred to as the heart in the Bible, is the mind of your intellect where you have reason and logic, where you process memories and you put pictures of happy events and sad events and you memorize belief systems, ideologies. The mind of the intellect is the station of your belief systems. What do you believe? You've come to judgments in life. When people hurt you, you know, you make a judgment about that person. Sometimes we are so wounded, we make a judgment about people in general. Sometimes we make a judgment about people of a certain color. Sometimes we make a judgment about people of a certain culture. Sometimes we make a broad judgment about people from of a certain economic bracket. And all of that stuff comes out of wounds and they are misjudgments. And we need to get our judgments right. Paul talks a lot about be transformed. Give me that pill. I can make a million dollars by producing that pill. What's the pill that will transform me? 90% if not higher, of humanity are not happy with themselves. Give me that pill that will bring transformation. The pill is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's not this mind. It's the mind of your intellect and the mind of your emotions in your soul. There's clutter here. There's fractures here. There are fragments here. And all of this garbage pollutes this garbage, and God wants to heal us and set us free and release the best version of us. In fact, he wants to release the best version of us on the world. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah, God wants to release the best version of his sons on the earth. I mentioned quickly last week that in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says, the earth is groaning and moaning. The physical earth groans. We talk about tectonic plates. We talk about earthquakes. We talk about volcanic eruptions. We talk about all the effects that we see on the earth. But the Bible actually talks about it. The Bible actually tells us if we were to really to study the Word of God, and I recommend you do Bible college, that sin has a polluting effect on the earth. Sin leaves a residue on the earth. The greenies have got it part right. Pollution affects the earth. I'm not going there politically. But what I am saying is that sin pollutes the earth and it creates material Sin, unrighteousness, injustice that becomes a foundation that houses demonic activity. The earth is shaking under the weight of man's sin. And in Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul says, The earth is groaning and moaning in anxious expectation of the sons of God. 
He says it wants to be delivered from the bondage that it's been subject to. The sons of God, that's plural. So they're not waiting for the Son of God. The Son of God already came. The earth is actually waiting for the sons of God to come into the full image of who we're meant to be in Jesus Christ so that we could bring the solution to the world that the world is hoping for. Hallelujah. I don't know what demon has bewitched the church to make us think that our victory and our success it lies in what party is controlling the White House. God says, I want my house to fill the earth. I want the knowledge of me to affect humanity in such a way that I will be seen as the light and the hope of the whole world. The church is the answer. You are the answer. As you allow Christ to fill you and to heal you in your soul, you start to become the bigger and better image of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Absolutely. Good preaching, Pastor Rob. <laughs> so getting our soul healed is very important for us personally, as well as it is very important to solve the problems in the world. I... I am vested in politics, but I'm going to make a statement. I wish American Christians were more vested in the Word of God and the Spirit of God than they are in their political knowledge. I don't want to lose any friends, but I do want to convince you to think like I think. Because the Word of God is what should set the tone and the focus of our lives. Double-minded. These two minds, they are minds that function from the soul. Remember, this gray matter only processes thought. It doesn't originate thought. Thought originates from the source of life. The programmer on the computer he puts thought, he releases thought, and that machine just processes it. Your soul, everything you think really comes from here. It gets processed here, but it comes from here. It comes from who you are. When I can predict, if I know you really, really well, I can predict what you're going to say next or what you're going to do. Why? Because I know who you are. It comes from the essence of the life that you are, the person you are. And so uh, <clears throat> the two minds, the mind of your intellect, which houses your rationale, your reasoning, your deducting, your belief systems, the things you've come to believe about people, about men, about women, about people in authority, about life, the things you come to believe about you, uh, I'll always be a mess. I'll never be successful. I'll never be prosperous. I'll always be poor. I'll always be prone to disaster. I'm an accident waiting to happen. Your belief systems are housed in the mind of your intellect, your emotions, 
are housed in the mind of your emotions. And I wish they were always united, but the Bible says we're double-minded. I showed you last week, and if you weren't here last week, I can't review everything, but please go back on Facebook and have a listen. But the brokenness that happens in us, how we get broken, how we get disappointed, how we go through trauma, how we go through hurts, how we process a broken relationship and a divorce, how we process a disappointment in life. The mind of reason can't console with the mind of our emotions, and there's a tear, there's a fracture. By the way, no one would ever kick a man when he's already down, not a good person, but demons would. And so demons come to live in the fractures between the mind of our intellect and the mind of our emotions. And they will press those buttons and they will pull those strings and they will play you like a wild wave tossed around by the wind. Amen. Absolutely. Okay, so <clears throat> the, the verse goes on to say, uh, well, before I say that, these two minds, the minds of your intellect and the mind of your emotions are often in opposition to each other. When they're in agreement, they're powerful. In the natural man, let's take Christianity aside, let's take spiritual things aside. The best athlete is going to be the athlete who intellectually is prepared and he absolutely believes and with his mind he's willing to press the will in his soul and he grills his body, he trains his body. But if you have an athlete who mentally is on board and uh, he grills his body and goes into training but emotionally he's not on board. He believes that when all is said and done when he comes to the finish line, he'll trip and fall, and somebody will always get ahead of him. So now you've got the mind of intellect is on board, and it's processing, and it's disciplining the physical body, and it's going in a training, and it's ready, 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 ready. But emotionally, you really believe deep down inside you're a failure. You're never going to hit the big one. And so you automatically, subconsciously self-sabotage. The best athlete is the person who is on board intellectually and they discipline their body and they're on board emotionally. That's the guy who, when everything's working against him and his body's screaming at him and his head is playing games with him, he's now in the race Emotionally, he hangs in there. He toughs it out. He keeps going. The mind and the emotions working together, telling the body, perform, produce, hang in there. You can do it. You see, a double-minded man is unstable in everything. But a single-minded person in their soul will be successful, even a person in the world. And so we wonder sometimes, well, if we're the sons of God and we're meant to be the head and not the tail, why is it that some of my friends in the world are doing better than me? Because maybe their soul is, hasn't been as damaged in life or by life as your soul is. May, sometimes there are critical components of belief in our soul that are damaged and it works against us. 
So here I am talking to you, preaching words of life so that you, the sons of God, can get it together. Hallelujah. Bring your soul together. Bring the intellect and the emotions together. Get healed from the boogies of your past. Did I really say that? And kick the boogeymen out of your past and become whole in your soul. I like that, whole in your soul. Most people are walking around with holes in their soul. God wants us to be whole in our soul. I believe as sons of God, we are meant to be the elite of the elite. We're meant to be the crack troops. Unfortunately, because of religion and a lot of the garbage that religion teaches, we're just cracked troops. But in this church, I'm raising up crack troops. The best of the best. The elite. The ones that the sovereign can rely on when he needs special agents to go in undercover and to obliterate the works of the enemy. Amen. So we have to understand that thought doesn't originate here. It gets processed here. Thought originates in my soul. And in my soul, there's the mind of intellect and there's the mind of emotions. So now I'm going to get personal with you. I'm going to tell you a story from my life to help paint a picture so that you could see how it could apply to you in various applications. Are you ready for me to pull out some skeletons? Do you like it when pastor does show and tell on his own life? People can identify and they can relate. And if I have to become the sacrifice so that others could be free, that's okay. See, I'm not trying to build my ministry. I'm trying to build the sons of God. A lot more important. I had lived, uh, I was born in New York, age of eight, nine. My parents went to Australia as senior pastors to pastor the Italian group of people. And uh, we were there six years, came back to America. I was now 15 years old. And some of my cousins, their parents would take yearly trips to Florida from New York. And they had told their parents, hey, bring our, our cousin, Robbie, you know, bring him. We, wanna, we want him to come with us on vacation. And so I was asked to go. Well, this is a trek or a journey that they had taken many, many times. And so they knew the road well. Everybody knew the road well. And uh, <clears throat> what happened was, as we're traveling along, we come to a point where there's a bridge very similar to the Skyway Bridge. How many of you have ever been on the Skyway Bridge? You see, in New York, we have suspension bridges. The road is flat, and the heights are made up by the steel girders, but, you know, you can see from one end to the other, and before you get to the bridge, you're coming around this long four or five-mile curve, and you see it in the distance, and you're just going to go flat and straight. The Skyway Bridge, as you start to climb the Skyway Bridge, 
you just hope somebody remembered to build the rest of the road. Well, we were coming to a bridge like that, and they were all familiar with it. I wasn't. And so they decided to tease me. And so my uncle turns around as he's driving and says, Hey, Rob, 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 look at this bridge. Look how tall it goes. Look how you can't see over the end, over the top. There's nothing on the other end. We're going to get to the top, and we're going to fall over. Now, my uncle said it. My aunt said it. My cousin said it. And they're all speaking to me, and logically, it is the stupidest thing you could say. You'd have to be an idiot to believe it. But people who held a place of credibility in my emotions, in chorus, were all singing the same song. And they're playing it emotionally, and as much as I consider myself fairly intelligent back then, at a younger age, a much younger age, I actually started to panic and fret. Okay, of course, a bridge that goes that high, no government would allow them to stop building and not have the second part of the bridge. I mean, we know intellectually this is crazy, this is stupid, this is ridiculous. Fast forward, maybe 15 years, I'm married, I'm driving in the car, I got my mom in the car, and we're doing a trek between Florida and New York. We're actually heading back to New York. Somehow, I got off the beaten path that I normally travel. And so now I'm trying to navigate, this is before GPS, I'm trying to navigate how the heck do I get back to where I wanna go. And suddenly, my mom's in the front seat, it was just her and me, suddenly, Oh, shoot. There's a bridge in front of me, and I can't see over the other side. And it's two lanes, one lane going, one lane coming. I'm going to pull off the side of the road and gather my thoughts. There is no side of the road. I look in my mirror. There's a semi-trailer right on my bumper. I cannot stop. I cannot pull off. And all I could think is, I'm about to go over the top. Totally illogical. You see, fear has no logic. Fear is an emotion that has been sabotaged. It is a crisis, it is a circumstance, it is a wound. And the mind of emotions has separated from the mind of logic. And it doesn't matter how much logic you try to spit on that bad boy, toot, 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 and you try to talk yourself back into logic, it won't work. Because the mind of the emotions is powerful and it imprints deeper than the mind of logic. I'm sure most of you have ever have come across the knowledge that um, when ducklings are hatched within the first uh, uh, three to 12 hours, as it starts to process, it comes out of the shell in the mind of intellect. How many of you know animals have emotions? I mean, when a dog's going, you know he's got a lot of emotion, and you don't want that emotion. And, and, and so this duckling starts to, you know, take mental stock of this new environment, 
And then suddenly, at some time between three hours and 12 hours, it focuses on the object closest to it, and emotionally it says, Mama! And what happens? It will follow that face, that person. It could be a pair of boots. It could be anything. And it will follow them the rest of its life because it's imprinted emotionally. We get imprinted emotionally. I'm going to say something, and this is an adult audience. The reason why God says that sex outside of marriage, before marriage, and sex with a partner other than your married partner is wrong is because the beauty of sex was designed to put a deep imprint in the soul of two people and tie them together. Emotions imprint more deeply than volumes of logic. And so fear knows no logic. When you've been wounded and there's been a terror between the mind of reason and the mind of emotions, you could speak all the logic you want in the moment, but you will be terrified. Here, let me make this uh, more generic. How many of you have ever watched or happened to see, even unintentionally, a scary scene on a movie on TV? And of course, they play the music. If you ever watched a horror scene without the music, it's a joke, right? But music stirs the soul. It creates mood. We all know music creates mood. You want to have a, a romantic time, what are you going to do? You're going to put on head-banging, smashing music, right? No. We understand creating moods affects the soul. And so here comes a horror scene or a fearful scene and they're playing the music and little by little subconsciously you start pulling all the members of your body closer to center mass okay and yet logically with the mind of reason we know that's the stupid tv that's out there i'm here in my house it can't affect me but the mind of the emotions imprints deeper than the mind of logic. The enemy understands this. And that's why he's so into hurting, wounding, and disappointing. Because we become imprinted in our soul out of the brokenness of the experience we just went through. And no matter how much logic we spit at it, we react out of the emotional wound. So here I am at this point, I'm facing this bridge, and you know, I'm in my 40s at that time. And I got this truck on my bumper, and it's one lane going, one lane coming. I can't even pull over to the side and go super slow. And I have truckers in my family, and I know a truck needs to make speed coming up to a hill so that it can maintain as much speed as it's getting near the top of the hill. Otherwise, that guy's going to be mean and nasty, and he's going to be on his horn, and I'm going to be messing stuff up for him. But I'm messed up in my soul. So now, right now, I don't care if I mess up stuff for anybody. 
I'm having pictures in my head that somehow I'm going to end up in the water. And yet my logical brain knows, of course, there is another side to this bridge. But fear knows no logic. I'm forced to keep driving, and my mother's by my side. <laughs> I'm 43 years old. I'm sorry. Make all the jokes you want about me. But in this moment, I reverted to my childhood. You will, at, when a scenario similar to the crisis you went through is triggered, you will revert to the age of that trauma. I grabbed the hand of my mom, and I did the only thing I knew how to do. I screamed at the top of my lungs and said, Jesus! You know, that's my go-to for everything. When I'm out of my depth, I go, Jesus. I remember there was a time in Australia, Amber was about two years old, and I'm changing a fan. I'm putting a fan up uh, on the ceiling, and I'm on a rickety ladder, and uh, suddenly the ladder starts to tip, and I drop the motor of the fan, and Amber's right underneath me. And all I could do was scream, Jesus! And it missed her by a fraction of an inch. I believe in the angels that respond to the name of Jesus Christ. 40 years old, you don't want to have those types of scenarios, especially if you have other people in the car. And so I started to question it, God, what's the story? And he took me back to this picture of this holiday vacation nightmare. And he said, that injury got triggered the moment, 20 years later. I have never faced a bridge like that. We went back to Australia. In Australia, we didn't have bridges like that. Uh, I had never cr crossed another bridge like that. But here we are 20 years later, or more than 20 years later. I'm in my 40s, so yeah, no, uh, 25 years later. Similar scenario the button gets pressed and my emotions go haywire. Look, knee-jerk reactions are often emotional reactions out of a hurt buried somewhere in our past. Every one of us knows there are certain things that just send us off and we get Ill Ill illogical, irrational. We get reactionary. If we're honest, every one of us has them. Now, when people throw it in our face, we try to justify it and explain, no, 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 blah, 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 blah. But deep down, if we're honest, and there's no one to laugh or look inside of our thought life, we know, okay, every one of us have those things. And what it is is when you face a similar smell to the moment of your tragedy or trauma, when you face or hear similar words in a similar tone to the moment of your trauma, when you face a similar emotional stress 
to the moment of your trauma. It could have been buried for 30 years. Suddenly, there's a knee-jerk emotional reaction because the mind in your soul has never been put back. The mind of your emotions in your soul has never been put back with the mind of intellect from the event that took place even 20, 30 years ago. Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. If there should be a specialty anywhere in the world for healing the soul and bringing the two psyches together, it should be in the church of Jesus Christ. And nobody should be as healed or as whole or as awesome as the sons of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, I woke up this morning, and God gave me a key, and I'm out of time. No, no, I'm out of time. I'm going to preach this. This is part three. You all understand what I'm talking about, and you can all relate. I'm going to give you a spiritual, scriptural principle straight out of the Word of God. I, I I promise to you, not to say the phrase, I swear to you. I promise to you, I have read this scripture. It is one of the most famous, popular scriptures. It is constantly sung, constantly read. And I woke up, and the moment I woke up, I saw a revelation in the scripture. And I saw a key that helps bring healing to the mind of emotions and to the mind of the soul. And to do it justice, I really need a whole sermon. I'm going to preach it to you. I really hope you come next week. And if you're leaving town, please watch it online. I'm already well beyond time. And I don't let that dictate. But it is 1230. And I want to respect people's time. Listen. Nothing has answers like the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God is the most healing, applicable hand manual to life than anything. Tony Robbins doesn't have spit on me or on the Word of God. Do you understand he teaches motivation from secular knowledge? We have the word of God. It is the manual of the universe. It speaks about how the worlds were framed. It draws from the past and speaks about the future and knows the very core of humanity. <clears throat> when I come in here and I speak under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, People pay $1,500 to hear Tony Robbins. Sometimes we at a church don't realize the gems and the gold and the wealth that is in the house of God. And just like with politics, we look to our political parties. We often look to the world and, and, and we will invest in what the world has to offer. I'm going to tell you, there is no greater excellence and no greater wisdom than is found in Scripture. I don't understand why more people don't flock to the house of God. Maybe they've had too much religion and not enough of revelation. 
those of you that are watching online, come on. Come back next week. Folks, come next week. I'm laying a foundation. Why am I preaching? Because God wants to raise up his sons in his image. He wants to restore the church and make it healthy. He wants to make the church strong. Now, I'm not talking about grace and faith, the organization. I'm talking we, the people. The church is we, the people. God has given me a specific ministry, and one of the anointings he's put on my life is to be able to see things in Scripture and break them down so that they make sense and they're practical and applicable. If I were to take a page out of the Apostle Paul's letter for a moment, I'm going to act like a fool. And Paul started to boast on himself. He said, I know I'm crazy for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Well, I'm going to take a page out of his book just for a moment. You won't hear me often do this. The teaching you get in this house is far beyond average. Amen. It's revelation. And I don't take credit because it's not my knowledge. It's the wisdom of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. So if I sound like I'm bragging or boasting, I'm boasting and bragging on a resource you have access to, and that's the Spirit of God. I am not elite, but we are meant to be the elite. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Would you stand with me? Last week, I got Dr. Paul up to just validate a little bit so that everyone's mind and heart would be even more receptive. And as a man who has studied in two different schools of thought and has his doctorate in psychology, he verified that I've not studied this stuff. God talks to me. In fact, <laughs> Paul, this is funny, uh, and this is... You know, I'm standing before God right now, so I'm not going to lie. But several weeks ago, God started talking to me about imprinting and that we are emotionally imprinted. And the whole idea of sexual purity is so that we imprint with one person and that emotional imprinting goes deeper than even the logical imprint. And I started thinking about ducks and blah, blah, blah. You know, you hatch ducklings and they think you're a mama and they follow you around. So last night, as I'm working on my message, I Googled this for the first time to see if there's any study that shows that emotion imprints stronger than logic and reason. And imprint's a word I came up with. It just came to me. In these God times. It's actually a whole field of study in psychology, isn't it? And I'm reading this, I'm saying, oh, geez. Now Dr. Paul's going to be convinced I read this stuff. <laughs> the enemy looks. Remember in the garden... We read Genesis, and some people don't believe it to be literal. To me, all of the Word of God is literal. I believe everything. And after the serpent deceived Adam and Eve, God said, 
the serpent's seed, that's the demonic world, will bite the heel of your seed, Eve. All of humanity will be bit by the venom from the belly of demons coming out of hell. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And as we look across humanity, there is not a human being born who hasn't been wounded, hurt, disappointed, broken, fractured by circumstances set up by demonic entities. And sometimes those demonic entities break this person and now use them with their jagged edges to help break another person. And then we're broken and every one of us have broken somebody else. And the seed of Satan, demons, have been biting and nipping at the heels of humanity and putting the venom of wounds and bruises. I often refer to this as the bruises of the demonic realm and how it affects us. That's why Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to teach, to preach, to tell good news to deliver principles, to set at liberty those that have been bruised, to deliver them from the places where demons have got them gnarled up into a corner, where at a moment's notice an innocent person interacting with them presses a button that they didn't even know they pressed, and all of a sudden the ugly comes out of us. We self-sabotage the gospel the Word of God is given to us that we might be made whole. David says in Psalm 8, what is man? You created him lower than angels and yet you crowned him with glory and honor and you made him his destinies to be the head of all things. Lucifer, after the fall, watches God he fell from a high place, watches God bend down on the earth and out of mud. He builds this clay model, breathes in it, gives it life, and he crowns it with everything that Lucifer lusted for. And Lucifer also says, what is man? Why does he have the glory and the honor of God on his life? And out of a vindictive jealousy and hate, he is on assignment to destroy the image of God that you and I were meant to carry in life. So God prophesied the seed of Satan will bruise, he will bite the heels of your seed, but your seed, and then he spoke singularly in the Hebrew, one who will come from you will crush the serpent's head. This sermon series is to take what Jesus did on the cross and that serpent's head that's been crushed, this series is meant to take that and make it be applied to your soul. So you start to get healed from the things that make you just a little bit crazy once in a while. And we all have a little bit of crazy. Amen. Amen. Close your eyes. You've been so, so attentive this morning. So attentive. I commend you for loving the Word of God more 
than what you're going to do in 20 minutes. I commend you for making the things of God a priority. Here, here, just one second, look at me. I have a friend and he constantly teases me because church is more than an hour. And I tell him all the time, God has more to impact us that an hour doesn't even fill it up. You'll pay $18 to go watch a movie. And I remember when Dances with Wolves was just over 120 minutes. It was the longest movie ever. And they weren't sure if people would watch it. Now, it's common for movies to be over two hours. But while movies are getting longer, we want to shorten church. Let me see. Is that the Holy Spirit or the enemy? Jesus said, I have the words of life. I tell you, I have the words of life, but they don't originate from me. They originate from him. And your time in God's house is well spent. It's an investment in your life. You'll be able to give your children a healed you rather than a broken you. Amen. Every eye closed. If you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that's where it all begins. Being born again. Having your spirit awakened. I'm not talking about joining a church. You should go to a good one like this one. But that's not what saves you. It's asking Christ into your life. If you have never done that, raise your hand right now. I'm not going to beg. If you have never done that, it's time for you to do it. You need to do it. Raise your hand and say, I want Jesus Christ in my heart. I need him. I need him. Listen, you could fight it. God just wants to love you. He's not angry at you. He doesn't want to beat you down. I'm sorry for the people who have beat you down in the past, and maybe it was even religious parents. I'm sorry. It's not meant to be like that. God doesn't want to beat you down. He wants to lift you up. Amen. All right. Now, Father, I thank you that your word is healing. And even what I've shared so far today, it's healing. I pray that you will bring things to people's remembrance and the things that constantly come to their remembrance, you will start to interpret it the situations from their past and their childhood. I thank you for the anointing of healing that's here right now. I thank you that your word is healing. It's life. I thank you, God, that you're making us healthy emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I thank you that you are forming Christ in us so that we grow into the biggest and best version of who we were always meant to be. Holy Spirit, even now, you preach sermons I can't preach. You can preach personally to each person. And so I release you right now to start dealing with people's memories. I release you, yeah. I release that anointing in this house. That people's souls will start to have healing 
where demons live in between the fracture of the mind of reason and logic and the mind of their emotions. We break those thought barriers that are wrong judgments and belief systems. We cast out those strongholds in the name of Jesus Christ. We say to the devil what Jesus said, he has come to destroy the works of the evil one. And we say, devil, you're a liar, you're a liar, you're a liar, and we will not be bound by your lies. We speak to fear and say, fear, you're not our master. No, you will not control our emotions. No, we speak to the wounds and to the hurts. And we say, Father, I thank you even now. The anointing of your spirit is healing people's emotions for moments in time where they've been wounded and scarred. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the preacher and you're still preaching and you're the healer and you're releasing the healing that comes from the Father. Father, we release this over the congregation in Jesus' name. And everyone who's ready to receive it said amen and shouted amen. 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 You know, I was in a panic this morning. It was quarter uh, to 11. And this message didn't come together. And in five minutes from waiting all day yesterday and getting up at 6 a.m. Didn't come together. In five minutes, he pulled it all together. I, I texted Pastor Carlos. I still don't have a sermon. <laughs> and in five minutes, he pulled it all together. God is amazing. And the best part, I haven't preached yet. Next week, I'm going to share with you revelation. I, I, honest before the Lord, I tell you, I woke up and saw something I never saw in a scripture I've read a gazillion times. And it will be a healing to your soul. But in the meantime, the Holy Spirit is healing your soul. In Jesus' name. Give someone a hug, a high five, embrace each other. God 